This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another episode of what is the Arsenal News Show. Joining you every morning at 8am UK time. Hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well. Thank you as always for joining me. It's very much appreciated. Um, I hope that you've had a fantastic start to your weeks. I hope that you've and will continue to have uh, an excellent time uh, in response to what was a weekend of frustrating football from an Arsenal perspective. But we're back on a Monday to talk about all things Arsenal, of course, uh, and to get your thoughts uh, on everything that is to do with the Gunners as well. Good morning to those joining us in the chat box. Uh, thank you so much, as always, for joining me. Uh, Martin, Carl, Paul, Jimbo, uh, Old Dave, Temi, Blackshine, Matt G, Arasilki, Peter, Sweating, Merlot, Damien, Ar- uh, Amira. We've got Jakob. Uh, Maximius, Barry, Ray, Jalali, plenty more of you guys. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, thank you. Uh, so, to kick off the show, let's talk about yesterday's horrific, and this doesn't go for just me, because there was a lot of Arsenal fans affected by what happened yesterday, uh, trying to get back for Newcastle. Of course, what happens is, with the Premier League, is when you put games, away games in particular, you know, for, for fans that have got to travel a certain distance in an evening, it means that you're effectively unable to travel home on the same day. So the game being at 5.30, I think the last train from Newcastle, certainly I was talking to one of the reporters who actually had to leave the game early, had to leave the game before 15 minutes before the end of the match um, to get a train home because there wasn't any others available that evening. It means that people have to stay over. And it means that the following day, fans have got to travel home. Um, and so I stayed over. And obviously, as you know, I had a great time uh, with some friends. And then, as you know, I was trying to aim to leave uh, to get home yesterday. So... It transpires that I get to the station. My 10 o'clock train had already been cancelled. So I woke up and my train had been cancelled. So I went and got the earlier train at 9.25. Travelled about half an hour on the train and then stopped for two hours. Just under two hours. Just stopped outside Darlington. And then we went back to Newcastle. So we had to get another train about half 11. So this is two hours after I'd initially left Newcastle just after, oh, yeah, put about hour and a half, two hours after I just left. So we're standing still for about half an hour and a half. Then get on another train that leaves half an hour late. Um, get back to Darlington, stop again for a period of time. Managed to get through, 
got to York, stopped because there was a police incident on the train. Some people have got annoyed with each other, clearly, and, you know, couldn't keep their emotions in check, which I get. Frustrations are running high on a very packed train back to London. It was a ridiculously long journey as it was because they were taking an additional route to get around the problems. There was like a power cut in the area. Um, and, then, <laughs> and then we had to travel another like two hours, two and a half hours back to London, of which I then had to wait an hour to get another train back home. So I left at 9.25. I got picked up uh, from a station, which is about a 20-minute drive from where I live because there's rail replacement services in my local area as well. So I ended up getting... Uh, well, home, quotation marks, to the in-laws for dinner about half six. So nine hours, <laughs> nine hours of traveling. Like it takes less than that to travel home in a car to Newcastle. It's honestly, it was a hell of a day, um, a ridiculous traveling day. But we made it. I made it home. There was a point where I thought I might be doing the show again from a Newcastle hotel this morning, but we're home. Uh, and that's the most important thing uh, that we made it. So Happy days. Um, I'm also, uh, you know, just thankful that, that, <laughs> that we're kind of in a, a mental state of sanity uh, this morning because, my goodness me, um, my goodness me, are we in a situation where uh, there has been a lot of fallout, a lot of frustration, a lot of uh, irritation, um, you know, uh, surrounding us today. So, yeah, let's... Uh, Let's let's hope that we can discuss uh, the news in a lot more calmer fashion. So, um, no easy results in the Premier League. We don't get that. There's never an easy result in the Premier League. Uh, we know this because I can tell you why we know this. Uh, Newcastle, <laughs> sorry, the Newcastle result was obviously a really difficult game. It's arguably the third most difficult fixture behind Anfield and behind City. And Arsenal competed in this game really, really well. And despite the fact that you've got the biggest critics turning out in their droves saying we only created one real chance, have one shot on target, it's not good enough, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. We can talk about that in, in the second part of the show if you want to. Um, but Newcastle, very tough place to go. But if Arsenal had done what either at Liverpool or Villa had done yesterday and lost at Forest, quite comfortably so, after a really significant period of positive form, or drawn at Luton and had to come from behind with a 95th-minute equaliser from a very emotional and quite and quite rightly so, Luis Diaz, then can you imagine the meltdown? Can you imagine the meltdown of results? I reckon there were hundreds. I don't think there's hundreds. There's probably like tens. Tens of Arteta critics just sitting there waiting. Probably had their drafts ready to say about how Unai Emery is above Arteta in the table, and they've had to wait. They might never get it. Hopefully, they never get that opportunity to, you know, fill our <laughs> fill our uh, timelines with the the bilge that they spout. But uh, yeah, they were ready with their drafts to say that Unai Emery had climbed. I think I saw a couple of people even tweet beforehand, like before the game, saying Unai Emery has the chance to to overtake Arteta <laughs> in the table. Because that's the desperation that some of the people that don't like Arteta have these days. Um, but it was not to be as <laughs> relegation fighting Nottingham Forest um, secured a 2-0 win, comfortable win over Aston Villa. And then later on in the evening, Luton Town nearly defeating Liverpool. Now, Liverpool do still go above uh, Arsenal. Uh, and we'll look at the table here uh, with goals scored because of one goal um, that they've scored, that Luis Diaz goal. Uh, they're going above Arsenal on goals scored. So very similar to when we were joint with Spurs earlier in the season. Um, but the thing with Arsenal is now Arsenal have a great opportunity to go on a decent run. We've got a really good run of fixtures coming up. We've got Burnley at home, which you have to win. You've got Brentford away, which you have to win. You've got Luton away, which you have to win. You've got Wolves um, 
you got Wolves away or at home, sorry, that you have to win. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the Aston Villa away game, which is a tough one. But if we win that game, obviously, that's a really positive result. No one's beaten uh, Aston Villa at home, I don't think, this season. So it's going to be a difficult one, but uh, certainly one that you'd, you'd back Arsenal to have a good chance in. Um, so, yes, it's... It's not as easy as people think, this Premier League get up. And the fallout from the Newcastle game, I think, has seen some rather ridiculous views. But perhaps uh, what we should focus on is is a positive. Uh, it's definitely a positive that we should focus on. Um, because yesterday, there was a fantastic result at the WSL um, for the Arsenal team playing against Manchester City. And uh, Blackstenius with an 88th minute winner. Brilliant result. Man City were top of the table prior to this weekend um, and it has changed things dramatically in the WSL. It means that Arsenal are joint on 10 points in what is an incredibly competitive uh, table this season. Chelsea uh, on 13 points. They've currently won four, drawn one. Man City, Spurs, Liverpool and Arsenal all on 10. And considering the start of the season that Arsenal had, massive, massive result. Um, and uh, and Catley, of course, getting a goal on the score sheet as well. Fantastic. I can't state how big of a result this is and how much Arsenal needed this um, going into this game. You have Viv Miedemar on the bench, Beth Mead on the bench as well. Arsenal and Jonas Ardeval finally getting uh, back to the full fitness of their squad, seeing the full um, complement. You know, when you've got a bench that includes, you know, Viv and, and Beth and Marnham, you know, you've got real strength and depth in that team. So there's some really exciting times, hopefully, to come and they can build upon this win moving forward. But of course, I think that even despite that fantastic result, um, the club statement that came out yesterday kind of overshadowed everything, um, not just in, in Arsenal's world, but also in the world of, of football, because uh, we know that the comments, you all know the comments that Arteta made to Sky and to, to us in the press conference after the game. He was very angry. He was very accusatory. He was very, very blunt and brash and, you know, descriptive uh, about things. And, and this certainly, I think, led the headlines yesterday and sparked the most discussion. So I'll read you the statement for those that have not had the benefit yet of reading it. Um, it says, Arsenal Football Club wholeheartedly supports Mikel Arteta's post-match comments after yet more unacceptable refereeing and VAR errors on Saturday evening. We'd also like to acknowledge the huge effort and performance from our players and travelling supporters at St. James's Park. The Premier League is the best league in the world with the best players, coaches, supporters, all of whom deserve better. PGMOL urgently needs to address the standard of officiating and focus on action, which moves us all on from retrospective analysis, attempted explanations and apologies. We support the ongoing efforts of Chief Refereeing Officer Howard Webb and would welcome together to achieve the world-class officiating standards our league demands. I think it's a really strong statement. Um, I think it's a really good um, and well-thought-out and supportive statement. And naturally and predictably, we've seen criticism of it from your usual <laughs> you know the usual people that would come out and uh, and criticize it um people that have got made a name for themselves in in kind of getting on on Arsenal's back and uh both in in broadcast and in 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 uh in text as well and i kind of just think that uh of all the people in the world at times to provide a little bit of perspective Mark Goldbridge emerged yesterday <laughs> as, as a person providing it. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but on his show, in which I think he was watching one of the games yesterday, Luton-Liverpool maybe, uh, he pointed out that Michael Owen, who was very outspoken about Arsenal's statement, he was very right to point out, can anyone tell me who Michael Owen currently does a show with 
regarding refereeing decision and who he's become a very seemingly close friend of uh, at the moment. Yes, that's right. It's Howard Webb. Uh, Michael Owen does indeed do a show with Howard Webb talking about refereeing decisions in which he barely scrutinizes the results. Um, so I, I can't say that it's... Uh, I can't say um, that we are in a situation of any opportunity to, to see any reasonable thought about Arsenal's statement come out. Because, of course, uh, the show uh, and Gary Neville and Tony Carragher, as Mark says, have their own links in there too. So uh, I think the statement was really strong. I think disagreeing with it or criticising it is just a bit of a cop-out and probably leans into um, a rhetoric which is not going to improve the standard of officiating. We know the standard of officiating needs to improve. We know that the decisions that are made on a consistent basis are wrong and inaccurate and simply are not what Arsenal and other clubs in this league deserve. The officiating quality is in the mud. The diversity of officials is frankly embarrassing. And because of that, um, we're obviously not going to see, um, we're not going to see an Arsenal football club competing in a league that can be as legitimate and as consistent as it feasibly can be because, you know, we're in a position um, where we can't. We can't have that because the officials just simply aren't good enough and they continue to make mistake after mistake. I saw a clip yesterday. And I don't think it's just, you know, it's not just England. Refereeing across the world is is facing so many criticisms uh, in France, in Germany, in Spain. In the United States, I saw a clip this morning. I don't know if it was a game this week and a clip of LA Galaxy, not LA Galaxy, sorry, LAFC against Vancouver where a referee got in the way of a potential... Uh, shot uh, in the 93rd minute to equalise and instead LAFC is able to run through and score a second goal um, to win the game. Uh, your refereeing standards have dropped. I think that, you know, technology, it, it needs to it needs to take over in this instance a lot more. We need to take the ref we need to take the decisions out of the hands of these referees as much as possible. So when the ball crosses the line, we've got goal line technology. Uh, offsides need to become more semi-auto offside so that the, the camera angles can determine whether or not a player is offside and the referees and the humans involved in those decisions need to be taken out of the equation so it can be made by a, a machine that can has an exceptionally low um, mistake rate or error rate. Uh, and also, um, any any opportunity that, you know, you've not even just goal line technology, but kind of the line technology as well. I also think that when it comes to the human element of where there are subjective decisions that need to be made, it should be made by a third party. PGMOL cannot be involved in the VAR. It needs to be a third party that is involved um, in these decisions. People that are involved in football but have no connection on a social level to any of the officials uh, that are involved in the game um, and and that's, I think, the way forwards in this instance. That is the only way in which, um, you know, that we can find uh, find a way forwards with this. So, yeah, let's let's wait and see what happens. Um, but I thought that the referee, the, the the club statement was really good, really strong, and I think that the reaction to it was predictable, and it completely exposed the state of affairs that we currently have in this world, which is apologetic and dismissiveness. Like the way in which people dismissed Arsenal's statement, the way in which pundits dismissed it, like they dismissed Liverpool's statement as well. Liverpool, you know, the uh, what I will say is the instance with Liverpool and Spurs, Liverpool are far, far, far more entitled than we are to be annoyed. You know, the decision that went against us, there are more subjective 
question marks about it. Did it go out of play? Was it a foul? All these types of things. Sure, there's more question marks about that goal, even though it certainly wasn't a goal. And we can all agree that it was a foul at absolute minimum. Like someone asked me in the Discord, I think it was old Dave, you know, to put a, a poll out asking what was the most egregious thing about that potential goal. Um, and uh, the answer for me is that whilst I wouldn't put like one thing, you know, I don't think it was a case of like what was the one thing that that should have ruled the goal out um, because I think there's multiple reasons why it was. And so that means it should never have stood anyway. But we all agree that it was a foul. Like The foul on Gabriel is so blatant and obvious. Like the way Gary Neville tried to explain it away as if it wasn't a, wasn't a foul, despite the fact that we've seen that given so many times uh, elsewhere on the field was was quite frankly embarrassing in itself um but uh it's 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 just with the liverpool example liverpool were just absolutely robbed of a goal a completely fine goal and to say that the statement that they put out shouldn't have been put out and shouldn't have been allowed to stand or shouldn't have been allowed to question the referees in the way that it did is just a, a symptom, it's a symptom of making this situation worse. It's a symptom of allowing the refereeing standards to continue to spiral into mediocrity, below mediocrity. So, yeah, there you go. There's my rant for the morning. Uh, we're going to move to part two uh, and your questions and thoughts on the game and, of course, any of the news that we've discussed today right after this. Right then, I always do what I do when I play the break. I'm like waiting for the music to end and then I'm like, oh, hold on. I was meant to take a sip of water during that break. So bear with. Because otherwise we'll struggle. Like I was on that train yesterday because I had this bottle of water on the train to last me nine hours. And on the second train, there was like, you know, they do like the little cafe on the train. Like they had it on the first train. So I was able to get a little bit of a refill. But on the second train, because it was an additional service that they put on for six, seven hours back to back home there was no refreshments at all so people were it was hot as well for november it was a hot train because it was packed so yeah it was um tensions were high um but uh people remained in fairly good spirits uh, i met a couple of people uh i met some newcastle fans actually that were traveling to london to get a flight to dortmund for their champions league game um of which i wish them the best of luck i've got i've got nothing against newcastle as a club i've got nothing against their fan base um they will feel aggrieved by the Havertz situation which i can empathize with um, and uh, whilst I've got issues with the, maybe the higher up side of the club, um, certainly the fans, uh, Newcastle was a city that I love to visit. I, I love that. I think the fan base is, is fantastic. I think that the, uh, the city's great. It's such a friendly place to go to, um, you know, and, and I think that some of the nicest people that I, I come across in the business whenever I go up to the stadium and, and I have to work there. So yeah, it's, um, uh, it's, it's, I think both teams have their own aggrieved grievances, if you like. So, there you go. Um, let's go to uh, let's go to the chat box, shall we, and tackle some of your thoughts. Uh, Matthew Boss says, Tom, what do you think about the foul on Enketia? Arteta reckons that it's a penalty. Again, I think that's a subjective one. Arteta thought it was. I've been able to look back at it. It's it's not enough that I think you're going to see a, a VAR overturn it. But if it's given, I don't think you'd see it overturned in the opposite direction. That kind of tells you where we're actually in the state of of things with with refereeing. Uh, Amira says, uh, quotation marks, stop whining and just create score more. 
you played for a draw, uh, is what people are, are saying online. I agree to a degree, um, and, and Amira says I agree, but surely with competency, we minimum get a point. How is it any different from our earlier games against City? It's fine margins. And absolutely, you know, we've been criticised in the past for, you know, you think about the game on New Year's Day, I think it was against Man City, where we had one of our best performances. We went 1-0 up in the first half. And then because we didn't and we weren't mature enough to see out the game, we made mistakes and PIs got sent off and we gave away penalties and lost the game. We've gone to Anfield before and taken the lead and then lost 4 or 5-1. You know, we've gone to Anfield like we did last season and got two goals up. And then we didn't have the, the, res, uh, the uh, what's the word, the resilience, I suppose, the maturity, the composure to, to come away with a win in that game. Um, and so this time, this season, things have changed. And people continue to say to me, oh, we're worse this season. Oh, you know, we don't look better. We were better last season. And to me, it's such a short-sighted view because it completely ignores so many different factors. First of all, there's a factor of one of the reasons why we're not as good as we were last season. It's because last season we had Thomas Partey available for the majority of the entire campaign. And yes, we've added Declan Rice, but you've re replaced a world-class player with a world-class player. And obviously we've lost Granite Xhaka as well. So that's two of the key midfielders of our midfield from last season, not available this season. We've lost Jesus for a significant period. We've had Martinelli missing. We've had Trossard missing. We've had Timber missing for the entire campaign. We've now had Martin Odegaard missing for a couple of games. Saka was missing and we still beat Man City. We've had consistent problems with key players in this group. And people will say, well, we invested loads of money to make the depth better. And I'd say, yeah, we did. And there's probably a reason why we still went unbeaten until the game at the weekend, which saw key players like Jesus and Timber and Partey and Odegaard all missing, despite the fact we had to go to the third hardest away game in the season. And we approached this Newcastle game very similar to the way that we approached the Man City game. We were dogged. We defended well. We stayed in the game for as long as feasibly possible. We didn't create massive chances, but we were threatening. We were dominant. We controlled things. And I don't think there is any way that anyone could argue that we deserved to come out of that game with nothing. I think Arsenal deserved to come out of that game with something. You take, I saw, you know, I don't always particularly agree with with Le Grove um, on Twitter, but I did see a tweet from Le Grove left yesterday that I absolutely agree with uh, and highlighted it. Um, Le Grove tweeted, Newcastle worth 0.16 xG when you take away their goal that was six centimetres off the line. How can I be reading that they wanted it more? Played like a newly promoted away from, uh, played like a new away, a new promoted side away from home in their own backyard. And it's it's so incredibly true because it's all of this result analysis, what we talk about, which we, what we mean by that is that people are looking at the scoreline and doing all their analysis off the fact that Arsenal lost, Newcastle won, and that's the story. And that's not the story. The story of the game is far different. Arsenal went to Newcastle and were, for me, the slightly better side and ultimately were really hard done by with the decisions that came up, despite the fact that they were missing. And I know that Newcastle were missing key players as well, but Newcastle were able to kind of just kick Arsenal off the field with no retrospective action at all. And it's not a case of like Arsenal not having the cojones, as Troy Deeney might say. It's a case of Arsenal not being um, granted the, the environment to play in a legal way, because Bruno Gamaraj should have been sent off. We know that. And he did other things throughout the game that were not punished. And, <laughs> and obviously the goal in itself is just a laughing stock of how it's able to stand. So and I had a lot of um you know, I had a lot of people in my comments yesterday who were Newcastle fans. And I get that, you know, you've won the game, you feel great. I get that. Um, so you're enjoy you're able to do that if you like. You're able to be um in a situation where you can be happy. But don't don't allow that to change your view of what, you know, if we were a neutral or assessing the game, we all know that the goal wasn't a goal. We all know that Havertz was lucky not to be sent off. We all know that Gimaraes was lucky not to be sent off. We all know that it was not a game that deserved either, uh, either side potentially 
uh, getting a result. But uh, uh, it is what it is. Um, but the, the result analysis is kind of. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And the same goes at McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook Delivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Crazy. Um, the whole Arsenal didn't want it as much. It's just a lot of BS, really. That's a crazy assumption to make. Um, Chul says, uh, the human element of refereeing has always been part of the game. Uh, the we were robbed factor is just a part of the game. I'd rather that than have an automated game. I'm not suggesting an automated game. I'm suggesting for the decisions that can be made automated, you can make them automated. Uh, I think that for me is the is the way forwards, and what I mean by that is, is decisions that aren't subjective should be allowed to be left up to technology. So offsides are not subjective. You are either offside or you're not offside, and the computer should be allowed to make those decisions. Now that's not just on the PGML, by the way, because the Premier League clubs also voted against the use of semi offsides. They also use that. You know, they, they, the Premier League clubs also voted against the use of semi automatic offsides. It needs to change. It needs to be brought in. Um, so things that aren't subjective need to be left up. And things that are subjective, I think, for me personally, should be specifically looking at, um, you know, um, we should be specifically looking at uh, a third party involved in those VARs. What's everyone laughing at? <laughs> I don't, oh, I know what we're laughing at. It's because Amira has unlocked my TGT rant of the day. Uh, Jimbo, yes, indeed. Amira did unlock the TGT rants today. There was, look, let's be honest. There was always one coming. There was always going to be a rant today. There was always going to be at some point something that was going to unlock my uh, my frustration, my anger. So, uh, yeah, there you go. We'll, we'll have to wait and see uh, if indeed uh, anything else is unlocked between now and the end of the show. Um <laughs> I'll have to have a look, won't we? Uh, right, uh, let's go to scroll down the chat a bit a little bit more. Uh, Awir says, Tom, don't you think that we would have won the game if the goal had not stood? I don't know. I- I'm not going to sit here and say yes, because as I say, the game was playing out very evenly. You know, it was playing out in a in a very competitive way and neither team was creating much in the way of big, big chances. You know, neither neither team was creating much in the way of big, big chances. So I don't think you can sit there and say, oh, yeah, we would have gone on. What I do think, though, is if Bruno Gimaraes had been sent off, you know, for that tackle really early on, then maybe. Uh, maybe things would have been very, very different indeed. Um, I also think that the game really did highlight the scapegoating of Kai Havertz. Like I saw people posting, you know, compilations of his performance, which I think was one of his strongest of the season, if not his strongest performance of the season. I think it was best, his best game. Obviously, the, the tackle wasn't great. Um, and we can definitely argue that that was a little bit rash. And maybe that's... An, I don't mind seeing it. I know that we've, we we didn't get punished by it and we could have been punished by it. But in some ways, it clearly showed how bothered he is. It clearly showed a, a, a show of intent from Havertz. But the amount of scapegoating of him, like I put, I gave him, I think, a six or a seven out of 10. You know, I didn't give him like a, a crazy score. 
because um, I would have wanted to see more. And I had to take the, the tackle and the, the naivety of that tackle into my score of him. But I think I gave him a six. Um, I could have given him a seven. Um, I think it was his best game for us. And yet afterwards, the amount of people that pointed the finger that Havertz instead of Saka, for instance, was crazy. Saka was far worse than Havertz in this game. Far worse than Havertz in this game. And yet Havertz was the one being pointed at. Havertz was the one having his, you know, uh, typical criticism. I think that exposed and unveiled a lot of of people's kind of bias against the player, um, for sure, afterwards. Uh, if, if you saw people mentioning Havertz and in a critical way and not Saka, I think uh, I think it exposed a fair few people. Uh, Matthew says, Tom VAR wasn't supposed to take away goals based on one millimetre errors or a soft foul after being booked for five minutes from six different angles. True. Um, thankfully, there wasn't any soft foul, Matt, in that situation. It wasn't a soft foul. It was a clear and blatant foul. Um, and so uh, this incident certainly isn't one that you would put down to a, a soft foul. It was just a foul. So that's why. VAR is not there to re-referee games either. VAR is meant to be there to allow referees to see what is a clear and obvious error. And there were clear and obvious errors in the lead up to that goal. Um, and that's why there is so much obvious anger uh, about it. Um, Esmond says, it's funny. Havertz was so good, but our fans don't see it. They want him to score, forgetting he plays uh, while Saka, uh, Martin Leonetti were also poor. Amira says, I thought that was his best performance so far. He had a Xhaka-type game, clumsy enough to get a first yellow, but kept his head um, not to get the second. I say not to get the second. There was a moment in the second half where I nearly thought that he might get a second yellow card, and maybe he was a bit fortunate there as well. But I liked... um, I I liked the fact that um, he showed real intent in this game. There was a bit of bite about his performance, a little bit of um, application that we'd not yet seen so far. Legend says Kai Havertz has committed more fouls, 14, than he managed shots and key passes in the Premier League this season. It's not bias, it's a fact. Look, Legend, I think, again, you're getting confused. Um, You're talking about the season. We're not talking about the season. He's been disappointing this season. There's no one disagreeing with you. There's no one disagreeing with the fact that he's been disappointing and underwhelming this season. We're talking about last game. And specifically one game. And if you're coming out of that game and you're still battering Havertz, like I see you're trying to and attempt to do and undermining him here, that's a problem on you. That's not on him. You know, it's about analysing game by game. It's about analysing things. If you want to have a broader opinion about his season, I don't think you're going to find many people disagreeing with you that he's been poor and underwhelming and that we expect more from him. You know, you're not going to find many people disagreeing with that, if any. You know, but if you're going to talk specifically about that game and you're coming out of that game and pointing fingers about across the season stats, saying that's not good enough, I just don't get it. It just comes across as a little bit, um, you know, feel, I don't like using the word agenda because I don't think it's fair, but it comes across as having kind of like a second motive there of just being too proud to hold your hands up and say, you know what, I've been critical of Havertz this season, but that was a good display. And hopefully we see more uh, intent and application for him like we did in that game. Um, let's go to Jean says, why don't the VAR room ask the referees to get a second look at the goal? They clearly was uh, unsure of their defending. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why there's, if you have a VAR for the VAR, it, it will start getting silly because you don't have VAR for the VAR for the VAR. It doesn't, you know, it would just get a bit silly. I just think it should be a third party. Um, you know, I just, I just think that there is, um, something to be said about there being a, a detached group of people to assess things. So you don't have like the whole, he's my mate thing that Mike Dean has done about. Um, Kurt says Havertz hasn't been poor this season. He's been okay. I think maybe it's about perception. You know, we've been so used to what Xhaka did last season. If you compare Xhaka's performances to Kai, to Kai Havertz, 
poor is not a bad way of defining it in comparison. You might say he's been okay. He's not been good enough. I think that's the best way of putting it. He's just not been good enough. And that's what ultimately we want to see is better things from him. And that's why I said to Arteta in the in the press conference after the game, I wanted to highlight Havertz's display. Arteta was clearly too angry to talk about it in too much detail. Um, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, Arteta in his press conference tomorrow. Of course, I'm going to be at London Colney for the open training session. So hopefully we see Odegaard involved. Uh, we'll know, of course, whether or not he's there very soon. So just stay tuned and, and, and keep your eyes peeled. It means that I may, I hopefully still will be able to do the show tomorrow morning um, because the training session's uh, late in the morning. But uh, yeah, open training session tomorrow ahead of the game against Sevilla and then the press conference. You'll be able to get all those updates on football.london and, of course, the Arsenal way uh, as well. So make sure you keep sticking to that. Uh, Steve says, in criticising Saka, we should consider that he was kicked twice by Dan Byrne consecutively without any repercussions from the referee. No one can continue to perform at a high level of kicking. Um, of course, Saka is is always facing that, has faced that throughout his entire time with Arsenal, uh, and which is why it sometimes is a little bit easier to assess his performances, because he's always getting kicked, um, but he still was relatively ineffective um, in uh, Saturday's game. Uh, Olu says, hey, Tom, should we play Havertz on the right and Odegaard in the eight on the left? Havertz looks great as the right side. I think the right side of the eight position is his best position. I think that's where you're going to get most from him is an attacking right-sided role um, so he can cut onto his left foot when possible. That or playing as a second striker. The left side, the Xhaka role, I just don't think is, is that good for him. I was actually disappointed that when Fabio Vieira came on, that Havertz switched to the left. I think he would have been better staying on the right and Vieira than staying on the left. You remember Vieira's assist against Fulham came from that left-hand side, swinging that ball into the box for Enketia. So I was a bit disappointed by the uh, the specificity of uh, or the specifics of where those players were placed uh, on the day. So that was uh, that was that was frustrating. Uh, Darren says, Tom, uh, any word on Andre from Fluminense? Seems like a lot of talk about Liverpool moving ahead of Arsenal. Uh, it's, you're going to see names pop up. You're going to see names fade away. It's it's just the way we've come to expect uh, of this. So, yeah, don't expect any kind of further news um, on Andre until maybe closer to We're always going to see these things. We're always going to see these things uh, happen. Uh, Sabra says, by the way, Tom, I see that the club uh, appreciate you and your questions. I saw Arteta recognise your name, and that was nice to see. I was like, uh, I start my days with that guy. Um, thanks, Sabra. That's very kind of you. Arteta was saying, I don't think he, I don't think he did. Um I just think that um, I think there's a, something to be said about trying to sometimes move the conversation on from the anger. That was, you know, I could have asked another question about a VAR, and I just thought I don't know what that's going to bring to the conversation. Um, so I wanted to move it on to kind of looking ahead to what's next because you can't always just linger on what's happened. You have to move the conversation forwards. Um, Gary says, why don't we as a country swap referees with other countries so that there's no buddy sticking up for each other? It's difficult from a social standpoint to expect referees to move to other countries and they've got families here. It's, I get the idea in principle, Gary, but I just don't think it's it's not feasible to put that into to, to practice. Um, let's go to uh, scroll up a little bit more. Uh, Lai says, uh, VAR is just technology. If it is not good enough, it is easy to fix. It's the human factor and errors that is questionable. And hard to fix. Absolutely. Uh, the Fab 19 says, January couldn't come sooner. We need reinforcements. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news regarding the January transfer window, but for Arsenal to make reinforcements, we have to move players out. We have a 25-man squad. We don't have room for any more players. Cedric is the obvious one that you can move on, but he's a defender. 
you're going to replace a defender with a midfielder or an attacker. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that because of the lack of depth in defence in certain positions. If we have a significant injury uh, situation in defence, we might need another senior defender, even if it's Cedric. Um, and if you replace Cedric, if you don't replace him a defender, it leaves you quite short in that in that, that area of the field. I know Timber's out and could be coming back in March, April, May, but it could be May. So it's difficult. Um, I think that you could question that maybe some players could leave on loan. Smith Rowe could go on loan. Fabio Vieira could go on loan. You know, you could loan out some players, then invest and then have to move some players on in the summer. That might be a way around it. But also, we didn't sign David Rea on a permanent deal because of FFP factors. You know, so there's something to be said about the um, the finances of Arsenal that won't be more freer until the summer. So if those that are expecting January to be our saviour, I'd say temper those expectations because there's no guarantee that that is going to happen because there's no guarantee that it can or is feasible to happen. I hope that we do see um, I hope that we do see an improvement and we do see reinforcements, but it's very, very difficult to see that. AC says, uh, are there any academy and under-23 defenders that can come in like Omar Rekic? Um, so AC, I can, I'm assuming, and, and do uh, I do apologise if I'm wrong with this, and you are far from the only one that's going to be, but I assume that most fans aren't really that in with the youth side in the sense of knowing how good players are, how players are performing on a regular basis. Um, I think that Omar Rekic is a talented young player, but of maximum championship level. Um, and those that would have seen him struggle in the Eredivisie with Sparta Rotterdam, where he was barely able to get a, a, a minute for them. He's gone to Wigan for last season or half of last season. He's gone back to Wigan this season. He's he's not, you know, Omar Rekic is, is not going to be of an Arsenal level. People have talked about Miguel Aziz in the past. Again, not sadly uh, of an Arsenal level. Mika Bireth, people were speaking about him, maybe potentially have a future Arsenal. He's gone to Motherwell this season again. He's not going to be, sadly, with respect of, of Arsenal level. And that's very normal. That The idea that players make it through the academy into the Arsenal senior side, it's very rare of hundreds of players that are in the academy. You know, one or two make it through. We are lucky to have Nelson and, and Ketia and Saka and Smith Rowe have made it through. But if you look at the players currently in the in the youth setup, even Sago Jr., you know, who played against Brentford and got the opportunity to struggle to see him making it, you know, at the, at the senior level. It's really, it's really difficult to see him, even though he's performing well, again, it's, it's really difficult to see how he's going to progress. Amario Koja Dubri, Ethan Neneri, Luis Malskelly, you know, at this stage, they're still too young, you know, especially the latter two. Malskelly and, and Neneri, you know, there's still a lot more development for them to, to, to have before they can, get those opportunities at the senior level. Raw Waters, you know, think about Raw Waters was really highly rated, still is highly rated. But again, seeing an opportunity for him in the senior side, not necessarily so cut and dry. Um, if you look at the players that are currently out on loan, like Brooke Norton Cuffey, you know, we used to talk about him a hell of a lot. He's gone to, I think, what, Millwall this season? Um, I've not heard about anything in regards to pulling up trees. And probably the biggest of the bunch, Charlie Patino, of course. Again, there's no guarantees that he even makes it into... Um, makes it into the side either. So, uh, yeah, it's it's difficult. It's very difficult for young players, youth players, um, to, to make it into the team. Uh, Souza, legend again, you know, talented left back. How he gets in above Timber and Zinchenko and Tommy Asu, very, very difficult to see that happening. Very difficult indeed. It's not to say that they aren't good players. They're good young players, but 
to make it to take it this step. This step is just humongous, a humongous step. On the volley says we need to scout another Santi Cazorla type of player with the technicality that he had. I would love um, to see a Santi Cazorla level player come to Arsenal again. It'd be great, but very, very difficult to find that. Um, DJ says, Tom, not a Havertz fan, but he had a good game and was one of the few players that had fight in him. I think this game will be the turning point. It's interesting saying about the few players that had fight in them because I think that we had a fair few players that had fight in them. I think Tommy Asu and Gabriel and Saliba and White to a, a lesser degree and certainly Declan Rice, uh, even Jorginho. I think there was fight in those players. Uh, Havertz, as you say, again, showed fight. I think Martinelli showed fight. Um, but Nketiah, Saka, um, just, yeah, it didn't. It just didn't. It didn't really go for those two. And and that's why we lacked an attack because the attack was what was clearly the problem. Shiadozi uh, says, please, Tom, do you know what Fabio Vieira's role in this squad is? This is his second season and he has yet to convince me. Um. His depth for the attacking midfield, that's that's his role at the moment. You know, he provides depth and a rotational figure for those in attacking midfield. And I think it's fairly obvious what his best position is as, as kind of a 10. But when you're just not at that same level as Martin Odegaard, it's very difficult to find a player that you can sign to do that. It's it's like um, the expectation that we just you know get a better player than Eddie Nketiah. Eddie Nketiah, for all of his you know limitations and for some of his disappointing performances, is one of the best number two strikers in the league. You know, he's one of the best backup strikers that there is around, and that's why I'm saying that for people that want to replace Eddie, that shouldn't be your mindset. The mindset should be let's upgrade on Jesus. That should be the mindset. So when people say, well, Tony's better than Eddie and Ketia, so I'm going on a Tony thing. I didn't really want to. But like, I'm just, it's a, just a good example. Like, well, Tony improves us because he's better than Eddie. That's not the mindset for me. The mindset has to be upgrade on your starting player so your starting player becomes the number two. You know, and that's that's the way forward. So we we replace Xhaka technically with Rice because we signed a player, in my view, that could have been even better than, than Partey and that Rice eventually would have overtaken Partey. So you had Partey and Rice in the team. So you leveled things up. But Partey sadly not been available for us much this season. So that's been a big, big problem um, in, in that regard. So that, that I think, is, is important. But no, I'm not going to get tempted into a, a, a Tony uh, thing today. I already put a tweet out yesterday about him. Uh, more than a wheelchair, Chris says, Tom, it will never happen, but I'd go all out, go all out and get Jack Grealish and put him in centre midfield as a new Santi Cazorla. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it's ever going to happen, mate, I'm afraid. Uh, Vincenzo says, if we move on Smith Rowe, would Charlie Patino take his place in the squad? I don't think so. They're very different players. Uh, Smith Rowe is a much more final third player, I think, than the Patino. More of a central midfielder is Charlie, um, whereas Smith Rowe is more of a, an out-and-out attacker um, than, than Patino is. So I don't think he would. I think he'd more so replace... Um, it's difficult because we don't really have any out-and-out centre-mids. I mean, he's, he's more in the mould of a Declan Rice in the sense of, you know, in, in the eight role when Rice plays ahead of another DM, you know, that's where I look at Patino. So I'd see maybe him playing with Declan Rice. If Declan Rice goes back to six, then you, you play Patino. I guess Xhaka. I guess he replaces kind of Xhaka in a way if he was to come into the squad rather than a Smith Rowe type. Uh, Paul says, is Eddie's lack of away goals really poor? And should he play in away games as he offers very little? Um, it is poor. It's not a good record at all. Uh, and it certainly needs to improve. Um, and we're still going to see more of, 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 of uh, Nketiah, I think, because Jesus is out for the foreseeable. Let's see if he can get some goals in the next run of games. We've got a very good run of fixtures, as I said at the start of the show, coming up. So let's wait and see if that has desired impact. 
Right, that uh, ends the show there, shall we? Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. It's very much appreciated. Thank you uh, to everyone that continues to support the channel. And please do drop a like on the video. I would like to end the show um, just with something that um, I, I did mention on yesterday's show because I think it's important to be aware of what's going on. Newcastle United released a statement after the game, um, which I only became aware of when someone sent it to me um, yesterday and said it in the show. But they released a statement regarding the racist abuse from from Arsenal, quote-unquote, fans um, that was subjected to both Joe Willock and Bruno Gimaraish. Uh, they released a statement out on the, on the website where they said, Newcastle United strongly condemns racist abuse sent to Bruno Gimaraish and Joe Willock via social media following Saturday's victory over Arsenal. Our message is clear. There is no room for racism in football or society. We are providing support to Bruno and Joe and will work with relevant authorities and social media platforms to identify those responsible so they can be held to account. Um, it's just, it's it's disgusting um, that, that this happens. And that I'm sure that sadly there are people that watch this show that may be behind those comments um, that watch this back. And if you are one of those people, get yourself educated. You know, um, you need to you need to learn. You need to become educated on why this is so important to be aware of. You need to learn why it's so wrong to say some of the things that you've posted and said. Um, and in my eyes, you're no Arsenal fan. You're not part of this Arsenal community if you're doing these things. You know, and it's not just with racism. It's with you know xenophobia. It's with sexism. It's with homophobia, um, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia. You know, all of these things. If you're part of any of that. You're not part of this family because you need to learn what it is to be, first of all, human and a good person. But just you need to, to grow up and, and learn why it's wrong. So I encourage you to please go out and find that and not be so proud in your own opinions, your own views. If you've been, maybe it's just the way you've been brought up. And I, I get that that happens, you know, because sometimes education as you grow up isn't accessible to you. But it is now. If you're listening to this and you understand this message please please get the support get the education that you need so that you don't take part in these horrific horrific acts i don't want to have to be talking about it i'm never not going to talk about it because it's important whether it's my club whether it's another club's supporters that have done this it was always going to be a topic that we talk about very very openly and honestly so um please please do uh, get the support and education that you need to understand why what's been said is wrong if you can't work out why it's wrong then you are part of the problem at the moment and need to find yourself to be the solution i can't help you always i'm happy to help as much as i can if you've got your own issues with what anything that i've said there please reach out to me i'm more than happy to talk to you about it um but uh you can only be the solution to yourselves by actively trying to understand why it is wrong for those things to be said and posted on other players instagram feeds as well thank you so much everybody for listening uh please drop a like on the video subscribe to the channel if you're new and uh i hope you have a very very good start to your week please stay safe please stay well uh stay positive and i'll be back with you tomorrow morning uh for all of the latest on arsenal's game against Sevilla. and as always up the arsenal It's the 90 plus minute. 
all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dip in and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.